Welcome to Season 2 of There Are Good Things Here, the podcast where you listen in as Katie Hubbard talks to God about life in the year that it got upended by her first cancer diagnosis. I hope you'll find grace in her honest, hard, and hopeful words. I'm your host, Norman Hubbard, and I just want you to hold on to Jesus like Katie did. It won't be easy or perfect, but it will be worth it. In late April of 2009, Katie began her first round of chemotherapy, and she stopped journaling in her journals. That's normally what I read on this podcast, because that's what no one has access to unless you have her journal in front of you, and that would be me. Uh, She did, however, write quite a bit on her caring bridge during this time, and so I'm going to read from her blog entries. You could go read them, but I know most people listening to this podcast probably do not, and so I'm going to read from, actually, I will begin uh, the uh, first entry from April 24th of 2009. And it begins this way, the second leg of Katie's oncological triathlon chemotherapy began this morning at 9.30 a.m. with a brief visit to Dr. Roland. And by the way, Katie had used the expression uh, that cancer was going to be like a triathlon. The first leg was a mastectomy, the second chemotherapy, and the third radiation. So that's the uh, analogy that I use there. The doctor wanted to touch base with Katie, explain a bit about the morning's treatment, and captivate us again with the speed and utter obscurity of his dictation into the telephone. If you've never heard a doctor dictate the notes for your chart, you should really try sometime. It's almost, almost everything is in code. Perhaps much of it is Navajo. The part we understood was the part where Dr. Roland looked at us and said, I'm really glad we can do this chemo in four rounds every two weeks. Back before we had mature clinical data, we just gave patients as much chemo as they could take, assuming that more was better. Now we know there's no therapeutic advantage to giving you more chemo than these four rounds of adriamycin cytoxin. That was easy to understand and good to hear. Our doctor is knowledgeable He's a researcher with evident concern for his patients. We're confident what he is uh, we're confident he is doing what he thinks best for Katie and staying true to the standard of care in the field. What is more, Dr. Roland is always impeccably dressed. When I compared my faded jeans, gray t-shirt, and unshorn face to his uber-kempt appearance, starched blue button-down, tie, and polished shoes, I felt like a freshman in Dr. Kicklighter's 8 a.m. world history class. Never was a professor dressed more dapper or a student more heedlessly. Anyway, our visit with Dapper Roland was very short and encouraging. Katie went immediately across to the infusion waiting room and was escorted back to a private room where she could receive her first round of chemo. Relative to pre-op procedures before surgery, pre-chemo is fairly uncomplicated. After checking Katie's vitals, the nurse inserted a special needle into her port and began a bag of saline solution right away. Katie wants you to know that she received the grace for today, this morning. 
These last few days have been filled with lots of anxieties and concerns, and it was really wonderful to experience God's grace for today. We also had a really great nurse. At this point, Katie realized two things. Number one, she was cold, and number two, she had left her special chemo quilt at home. My Aunt Shirley had made Katie a special fleece-lined quilt for this occasion. With Katie settled into her bed in a private room, I headed for home to pick up the blanket. By the time I returned, the nurse was injecting adriamycin into Katie's IV, and Katie was really happy to have her quilt. Everything was going smoothly, so I hopped downstairs to the pharmacy to pick up a small anti-nausea pill for Katie, not for me. The small pill was actually three small pills to be taken over the next three days. Amazingly, these pills cost more than my parents' first three cars combined. I almost asked a security guard to escort me back to the room. In moments like these, you're very grateful for insurance. You also wonder how friends in Zambia or elsewhere could possibly face cancer with no access to insurance, money, or modern facilities. We've often thought of our friends in the developing world during these months. The disparity between the care available to us and them is sobering. When I returned to the room, Katie and I agreed that a cafeteria salad would make a fine lunch. Then she looked at me and said, you'll need to write this down. Even on drugs, Katie had the mental clarity to order up a salad with exacting detail, quote, chickpeas, or are they garbanzo beans, you know, the ones they make hummus out of. She could tell by my look that I didn't know. Nevertheless, I set off for the basement of Carl Foundation Hospital and the cafeteria. After assembling a salad with precision that had many surgeons ogling me, I returned from from there to find Katie sound asleep. Soon enough, however, the nurse came in to hook Katie up to a bag of cytoxin, the second component in her chemotherapy. We ate our salads and talked about our ministry. Katie shared with me verses from her quiet time in Hebrews 3, and each of us read from and remarked critically on the novels that we're reading. In short, we did what any middle-aged, nerdy, religious couple would do if confined to a hospital room for chemotherapy infusion. In fact, when the IV machine started beeping because the bags were empty, Katie and I were shocked. She jokingly asked whether we could just stay in the room for a few more hours. I offered the nurse one of the two remaining nausea pills, but to no avail. On our way home, we stopped by the pharmacy to pick up a couple more medicines and a pill box. Katie's taking so many meds now, it's getting confusing for her to remember what to take when and also to remember what she's already taken. We were concerned the pharmacist wouldn't release the pillbox to us unless we presented an AARP card to him, but there were no troubles this time around. Katie headed to bed shortly after we got home, but she's doing really well right now. She has that, I've just had lots of strong medications pumped in me and I feel slightly off feeling, and wondering what tonight and tomorrow will bring. Conversation makes her feel nauseated. However, she was given a large bag of Jolly Ranchers, and those are helping, too. 
She's got a lot of anti-nausea medicine coursing through her veins, and we'd appreciate your prayers for their effectiveness. What's more, she's getting a shot tomorrow to boost her white blood cell count. If that's not enough, guess who's administering the shot? Indeed, I am. At this point, you should add to your prayers fasting, wailing, and genuflecting. Katie will handle the gnashing of teeth. Thanks for keeping up with Katie's condition. It means the world to us that so many friends are remembering us in prayer and serving us sacrificially. Just this week, we've been given two meals and $200 worth of groceries. Friends have also been watching our children throughout the whole process. Though this road has been hard, it has proven our faith and the depth of our friendships, two accomplishments that God knows best how to bring about. Now, I don't know how many of you would be thinking this, but I feel like I should at least say Katie and I worked really hard to try to write our blog entries on CaringBridge with as much humor as our circumstances would allow. That may seem odd for people who are facing, you know, the kind of the tragedy of cancer and the uncertainty of the future. But we were convinced of something that G.K. Chesterton had said uh, years ago in some of his writing, that basically being morose or despairing is really easy and quite natural. But it takes something supernatural, and it's hard work to find the joy and to find the humor in the midst of difficult circumstances. And that's what we are committed to doing by God's grace. You see it most often in Katie's or my blog entries, probably a little less so in her journal entries, which were, quite frankly, more personal prayers and oftentimes expressions of Katie's, uh, I mean, her cry to the Lord for his help. The next journal entry comes from April 26, 2009. Katie writes, Day two after chemo, I'm going to try to write a few more frequent updates for those who want to know how it's going. Not meaning to flood your inbox with another caring bridge notification from Katie, but the doctor said that the way I respond to this first round of treatments will pretty much be the way it goes, and so I'll give you the blow by blow. Yesterday was encouraging. I had energy thanks to some steroid that I'm on for nausea that is supposed to temporarily boost my energy. Yesterday felt almost normal, other than this weird feeling of knowing that you've been shot up with lots of chemicals that are killing large amounts of cells in your body. The steroid seems to have worn off today, though. I stayed home from church and managed a two-hour nap. The girls have a musical at church today, and that is my item to do today. No way I'm going to miss that. Today, food has been pretty tasteless. I'm told that I need to pump in what calories I can. I think it has something to do with all those cells dying. So I've been trying to eat. I think I came home with three different anti-nausea meds, and I'm using them all. I am a big fan of medicine. I read somewhere this weekend that while going through this battle, I should be reading uplifting literature. I think that means that I should put aside Leningrad, State of Siege. Not a particularly cheery book, but one that makes me very grateful to be able to live in the good old U.S. of A. My parents are trying to get down here to help out over the next two weeks, but are stuck in Wisconsin with bad weather between here and there. I know it's hard to imagine bad weather in the Midwest in springtime. 
Thanks for your prayers and concern. Your guestbook entries and emails are so uplifting for me. I should probably add that only Katie would be reading Leningrad State of Siege during this time in her life. Uh, she was a history major. For those of you who don't know, she was actually a double major English and history education. And the reference to Dr. Kicklighter in the previous uh blog entry that I read earlier on this podcast. Dr. K was Katie's favorite history professor. He was actually pretty much everyone's favorite history professor at Auburn University where we went. Okay, enough family history. Next journal entry, uh, blog entry, April 28, 2009, Tuesday morning. Got up with the kids before school and found Rachel is sick with a fever, sore throat, upset tummy. By 7.30, I was back in bed. I have much fatigue, but it is a strange fatigue, different than I've experienced before. I think I thought I would feel like I had the flu or something, but this is just extreme fatigue that I'm not sure what to do with. I've continued to take the anti-nausea meds. I waited later this morning in hope that I would not need one because it makes my brain fuzzy and tired. I find that frustrating because it is hard to concentrate and I can't read or focus. Reading the Bible or a book would be a nice way to pass the time, but I don't feel like doing that. Actually, I don't feel like doing much of anything. My nausea is staying at bay, but I do have a good deal of heartburn and food still sounds pretty blah. But dinner was good last night that a friend brought, so that was a real blessing. Mom and Dad made it down this morning and should be here any minute. I am so thankful for reinforcements. Mostly, Joseph is the most wearying for me. He needs Grandma and Grandpa. Joseph was a little over one year old at this time. Okay, so maybe he was like one and a half. With this being my first treatment, everything is such an unknown. Will I turn a corner today, tomorrow, or the next day? Sorry, catching my throat there. We'll see. This is a very this is very hard on a planner, although the thought of not being a planner right now seems like a real joke. I think most frustrating is not being in the word. Thanks for listening. Love to you all. And then a final blog entry for this podcast from April 29th, the end of April 2009. Today is much better than yesterday. Today, I at least feel like being up. I've been wandering around the house pretty much since 6.40. I think it feels better to be wandering than sitting, although I do use the word feels better very loosely here. I had bad insomnia last night. Is there any such thing as good insomnia? I'm not sure if it's from the medication or being so inert during the day. I have a call into the doctor for that. I also feel very jittery and kind of shaky. Again, not sure if it's medication-related. Probably. What am I thinking? What else but meds would be making me feel this way? I took this shot on Saturday to boost my white blood cell count. It kind of feels like it's going on overdrive. That may account for the jittery feeling or the steroid that I came off of yesterday. But Norman and I did walk down the sidewalk this morning, so that was good. Thanks for all of your encouraging words about audiobooks, etc., and helpful tips of where to get some audio scripture. 
Also, I had lots of verses come to mind in the night. I know that you all are praying. Blessings, Katie. Thanks for joining me for this week's episode of There Are Good Things Here. We will pick back up in two weeks with more of Katie's blog entries about her initial round of chemotherapy. 